weeks. This time, each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pavshas Korach. Pashas Korach, according to the Chinuch, contains nine mitzvos. Pashas Korach is one of those parashos as well that does not get easier from year to year. Rashi himself asks the question at the opening of the parsha in Pasuk Zion, Pasuk 7, says Rashi, V'korach shepikeach hoya maro'o l'shtuzeh. Korach who was such a smart man, how could such a smart man do something so foolish as to lead a rebellion against Moshe? Just to set the tone and a little bit of the geography of the parsha, The first half of the parsha deals with the revolt, the revolution that Korach uh, brings against his first cousin, Moshe, and Aaron, and after God either or creates a miracle or has in place, as we're told in Avos, from the six days of creation, Erev Shabbos, right before the completion of creation, God ordered into the world that the earth would swallow up Korach in such a way as if they were like a vacuum drawn into the ground, into the earth, swallowed up. But there was no aftershock. No pictures fell off any of the tents that were immediately close by. So this is the first half of the Parsha, whereby the Torah is making it clear that God has chosen Aaron and his descendants to be the Kohanim, those who officiate in the temple in the Beis Hamikdash. The nine mitzvos found in the second half of the parsha deal with the laws of Kohanim and Levim, mitzvos that give status to these two groups, including the mitzvah of Pidyon Haben. Now, in answer to the question, how could Korach do this? So, I believe that the answer is lies in what Moshe says to them in verse 9, Hama'at Mikem. Oi, says Moshe to Korach, let me ask you, meaning, is it not enough that you are whom you are? If only you would appreciate what you have. Moshe was saying to Korach, you are among the Levites, the Levim, who are no seha oron, who have the incredible privilege of carrying the Ark, which the Talmud explains means not that they literally carried the ark, but the ark carried them. And still, Korach personifies that individual. 
that can never be happy with what he has because he's always looking as to what the next person has and thinking that if only I had what the next person has, ah, then and only then would I be happy. And you and I know too many people like Korach and we have to be very careful and ask ourselves maybe there isn't God forbid a little bit of Korach in each and every one of us and therefore we have to understand why this story this narrative is included in our Torah our Constitution because our Constitution is so inclusive not only do this and don't do that but more important it refines the character of man and we are taught from a last week's parsha of the Miraglim this week's parsha of Korach and the parsha of Bilam coming up in two weeks. So the Mishnah that we'll come back to, please God, in the fourth Perek of Avos, Rabbi Elazar Akapor Omer, Kina, Tava and Kovod, literally jealousy, Tava, lust, and Kovod, glory, honor, Motsin Esa Adamina Olam, literally cause a person to be removed from the world. Which world? And we will see literally this world. And so we learn from the Miraglim who unfortunately were looking for Kavod. And we learn from Korach who had Kina, jealousy. And we learn from Bilam who had ta'ava, who had lust, how we are to keep away from these negative traits and perfect our character. I begin with a famous Gemara at the end of Sanhedrin, the bottom of 109b, spilling over to the top of Kuf Yud, the Gemara tells us the following that Rav Tuat owned Ben Peles, owned one of the men who the Torah identifies was on the inner cabinet of Korach. Regarding Om Ben Peles, Ishto Hitzilato, his wife saved him. How so? Because she said to him, Look here. If Korach wins, you're not going to be the head man. You're still going to be a disciple. If Moshe wins, you're still going to be a disciple. Don't get involved. Okay? And he said to her, I already swore. She said to him, don't worry. And what did she do? She gave him some strong wine to drink, caused him to be drunk, put him in his bed, and she sat at the entrance of their tent. And she let her hair down, literally. And so when the members of Korach's group came 
to summon On, her husband, and they saw her sitting at the entrance of the tent with her hair uncovered. What did they do? Not wanting to approach her in this immodest display, they turned around and left. And meanwhile, as he was sleeping off the strong wine, Korach's assembly was swallowed up by the earth. Thus, his wife saved him. The Gemara contrasts and said, Ouch! Whereas On's wife saved him, Korach's wife incited her husband against Moshe. And she pointed out all the things that he had to be jealous about. The honor that Moshe took for himself. The honor that Moshe gave to his brother and his nephews. And so she incites him and the Gemara describes the Pasuk coming from the 14th chapter of Proverbs. Chachmos Noshim Bonsabesa She was wise among the women, builds her house, and this is the referring to the wife of On, and Iveles Biodeha Tersena, and the foolish one destroys it with her hands, that's the wife of Korah. I'd like to ask a very basic question, and really it's not my question. Let's give credit to where credit is due. Rav Avigdor Nevinsol Shlita, the Rav of the Iratika, the old city in Yerushalayim, what he does asks is as follows. If the rabbis are praising the wife of On, then why doesn't she really go and say to her husband, come on, how could you even entertain challenging Moshe? Look what Moshe did. He's been there and took us out of Mitzrayim as the intermediary with and through and for Hashem. And the Makos, and the Yamsuf, and Sinai. How could you even think of challenging Moshe when Moshe emes viso raso emes? And Rav Nevinsor gives a beautiful answer which is so important and poignant. He says as follows, she was a very smart woman and she realized that if she would talk to him about theology, he wasn't ready to accept that at this point. So she basically said to him about Olam Hazeh, if you want my dear husband more for this world, then stay with, she was saying, with Moshe, stay with the status quo, because by staying with Moshe and with Torah, you will have and get Olam Hazeh. This is such a basic and important principle, which he expounds upon in his essay on Parshas Korach, as well as Lev Elio, Rab Elio Lapian, Sechet Sadik Levracha, in his volume on Bereshis in Parshas Vayetze, in his essay on his Aneig Al Hashem, he writes and says so powerfully, there are those that think that to be an observant Jew, one has to be prepared to make a big decision. I know I'll get the world to come, but no, no, I'll give up this world. And he says nothing could be further than the truth. The truth is that when one lives a 
life of Torah and mitzvot, they are getting not only Olam Haba, but they're getting Olam Hazeh. They're getting this world. They're getting the best possibility of enjoyment from this world. And so we revisit the Mishnah of Kinotava and Kavod. You and I know those people who are caught up in jealousy, lust, and looking for honor for themselves. And as we're told from the Mishnah at the end of the fifth parak, what's the difference between the disciples of Avraham and that of Bilam? So listen carefully. The Mishnah tells you that the disciples of Avraham, that which we all aspire to be Ochlin Ba'olam Hazer. Literally, they enjoy the fruits of their good deeds in this world, as well as Nochalin Ha'olam Haba, as well as they're given a everlasting possession in the world to come. But listen carefully. But the disciples of the wicked Bilam, Yorshim Gehenam, literally, they inherit. Gehenom, which is H-E-L-L. Now one might think that this is referring to in the future, after 120 years, no, says the Me'iri in his commentary. No, says the Tosos Yom Tov in his commentary. They have Gehenom here in this world, meaning they can't appreciate what they have, and they don't have the enjoyment. Those foolish people that are not yet keeping a complete Shabbos. Look what they're missing. They're missing not only the relaxation for the goof, for the body, which is so important, but finally some relief for the neshama, for the soul. Not only for the soul to be able to get involved in spiritual matters that it doesn't have an opportunity to so do during the week, but the ability on Shabbos not to be beset by all of the challenges and vicissitudes of life that you have during the six days. It is psychologically healthy for the Jew. It is literally an opportunity to enjoy this world. And this is that very important concept. Nebach, Nebach, the Yetzer Horah that says to those couples that listen to him and say, come on, if you practice birth control and you have less children, so you'll have more time to enjoy this world and travel and more money for this world, etc. And what they are losing out, they're not only losing out that which the Talmud teaches us so powerfully in the Gemara Yavamos, the Ein Ben David Ba, that in terms of our peoplehood, an the Moshiach is not going to come until the appropriate number of souls have been released from Tachas Kisei HaKavod. But beyond that, and in much more deeper way, the parents are losing out on all that incredible Nachas and joy that they could have had by having more children. It's an amazing thing. The Yitzhahara tries not only to take away the Olam Haba from the Jew, the world to come, 
but he even tries to take away the Olam Hazeh. And this week's parsha of On Ben Peles and his wife, in her wisdom, teaches this very important lesson that we are to learn, that by keeping a life of Torah and mitzvos, it's a win-win. Not only in the future, but thank God, right now. Shabbat Shalom to all.